we're recording. I'm here with Jay Moser, and we're going to start another episode of What Do You Know? And you know, when I talk to people, it's always, What Do You Know? is the title. And it seems, I don't want to make sure everybody knows that I'm not asking, What Does Jay Moser Know? Oh, that's good. It's, it's an idiom of, What Do You Know? You know, he actually took the What's time up? to be with us. <laughs> What do you know? Uh, he answered the call is, is typically how it goes because there's a calling to the ministry and you can choose not to be, you can choose not to. So what do you know is kind of a, an idiom that says, hey, he he stepped up and he answered the call and, and typically it's a phone call, but this time Jay is right here and we're going to jump right in and I'm going to ask for you, can you share a testimony of your calling? I can. Um I thought if, you know, having read your questions, that maybe I'd share the testimony about the first one and maybe uh, the, the last one that I had. First one I had, I was, uh, it actually, uh, I, I don't want to say it was a false calling, but I want to say that it was premature. And someone who had a witness of a calling made a calling, and it was a couple of years too soon. And I was coming out of high school, and I was just... Uh, getting my feet on the ground. I was changing my life and turning back to the Lord because sometimes you do really dumb things when you're uh, a teenager, <laughs> mm -hmm. and I was no exception. And so um, I had moved back. I had moved here to Independence, and uh, I was starting to go to church um, all the time. As a matter of fact, when I came back, I didn't uh, miss anything. I was at every every meeting that I could possibly go to. And uh, I was just uh, soaking it all in. Well, uh, this call came, and, and uh, it was too soon. I really wasn't ready, you know, uh, at that time. And so w later on, there were several years later, when I got married and I moved back to, to Phoenix, uh, to my home state, and the call came. And because of my first experience... You know, there's just all these doubts and, and mm. you know, what in the world am I doing? And I just, I, I had uh, such a wrestle with it and so many doubts. And I, I just thought, well, it can't be. And so I was called and I was called at the same time that someone else was called. That person was ordained. I was called to be a priest and, and I didn't accept it and I didn't reject it. I just hung on and. And I kept praying about it and, and asking the Lord. And I just had no peace whatsoever about this. And it, it really basically was because of the first experience. It just kind of made me uh, very leery of the whole thing. And uh, I didn't really, um, I can't say I didn't want to serve because I did want to serve the Lord. But what happened was during a Phoenix reunion, there was a brother there uh, and he walked over and he began, and he spoke to several people, but he began with me. And, and I was sitting on the front row with my wife, and he reached over, and he put his hand on top of my head. And uh, when he did, it just... Uh, all, all my doubts were gone. All, and, I, and I can't say you know, that I didn't have any doubts about anything, but it, there was just no, nothing but peace. It was absolute peace, and my mind, uh, which was troubled, was no longer troubled. And and he spoke to me and and encouraged me. And uh, but but when he first did that, just everything just left me. And God's spirit uh, 
entered in, in, into my heart and my mind, and I was filled with peace and love and contentment. And that blessing that I received, it stayed with me the whole week. And, and that was a Sunday, and it was there. And I told uh, the, the pastor, you know, that I, I was uh, willing to, to accept my calling at that time. And he, so I, I was called, but when this happened, I wasn't actually, I wasn't called this, this third time. He was admonishing me to, to accept the call. Oh, and, okay. Yeah, that 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 was the the second call that I had. He so he was admonishing me to to accept the the second call, and so I did. Uh, so that that was my my testimony. But but that uh, that peace, you know, I think that that's always necessary. It doesn't mean that I know what's going on. It doesn't mean that I uh, knew everything was going to be good, and that I had some mission in life. You know, it was it was the Lord's. Uh, uh, doing, but he gave me the tool I needed to get started. It was uh, an assuredness, assurance, a, a confidence, an assurance, a confidence. Uh, Stephen Stratton had the same similar, similar. Uh, experience, I should say, that when that peace entered into him, maybe not. He he felt that peace. I don't know if it was quite like such a spiritual influx of peace, but he wasn't worried. Yeah, like he was at another time. Yeah, and he, he or. or Previously. Similar, similar experience in that that the, all, there was no worry associated yeah. with his calling, and, and he took that as a test. Yeah. And I think that's oh yeah. I mean, I I at that point I had no doubts that the call was true. I mean, I have mm -hmm. doubts of myself. You know, well that's normal. You okay. have doubts about yourself, whether you can do it or not. But I had no doubts that the Lord was was calling me and, and asking me to take that responsibility. So. Years later, of course, I, I was called later to, to be an elder, and I became the pastor of the local and, and things like that. But, but sometime later, there was a, I began to, to think that maybe I would have another calling. And I'd been praying about it, and I'd been asking the Lord and, and, and pouring my heart out to him, you know, Lord, I'll, I'll do what you want. And, and I had been spoken to at one time, and, and this brother, he stood up and he said, you know, and he came over and he spoke to my wife, hmm. and he spoke to me, and, and, he, and he told me, you know, not to be afraid. So I thought, well, maybe I'd be called, uh, prior to that, maybe I'd be called to, to be a missionary or something like that, to be an evangelist or something. And when he said that, it just, that's what, it, it did scare me, because... I wasn't afraid to be an evangelist. I thought that would be really a lot of fun, you know, mm -hmm. really, uh, or enjoyable in a lot of ways, even though it's tremendously challenging and everything. But I thought that'd be great. But so I began to be a little bit leery about that. And, and, uh, but then as I continued to pray about it, and, and one, we had another reunion in Phoenix, and I was sitting up front, and the Spirit came over me, and, if the call had come right at that moment, I probably would have accepted because it, it was just so powerful that the Lord was was working with me. And, and I was telling him, you know, I've always liked that song, the one that's in, in the back of our book that our sister down in, uh, she used to live in Collins, I believe it was, or, or maybe it was Houston. Maybe it was Houston she used to live in. And she wrote this, uh, this song about, uh, oh, what was it, uh, giving your your life to the Lord, and, and uh, I'll, ha I'll have to go take a look at it again. But I, I, I was thinking about that, and we'd sung it a lot. But I think it's in the back of the most of the hymnals. Uh, but uh, it's now may maybe in our new hymnal. It's in there. Uh, so so it, it, 
any rate, I was thinking about that and, and giving my life and saying, you know, I'll, I'll do what you, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do, Lord, and, and, this, and, and I'll, I'll surrender myself. And, and, uh, and it just, it was overpowering. But then someone saw me, you know, and it's kind of an interesting thing. You know, it, I, I've, I've learned something about this that if, if I think someone, the spirit is on someone, mm-hmm. don't bother them. Leave them alone. Okay. And he started patting me, you know, like this, you know, and it just kind of went away. Oh no! Because he, it, it was like an interruption, and and uh, but the call it didn't come, and uh, that was a Sunday, a sacrament service in Phoenix, and I went home, and then I'm trying to think whether I think Don McIndoe called me up on the phone and wanted to say the council would like to talk to you. And so I, I went, and because they, they always had meetings after the Phoenix uh, reunion because it was an opportune time where most yeah. of them were there. Yeah. So I went down, and they told me, they informed me that Brother uh, Sheldon had this experience and had this vision. And, and, uh, uh, and I was in the vision, and that, that I, was, I was called to be in the council, and, there were, and the brothers there gave witness to it. But they said that in their meeting. And so, because of what happened to me the day before, again, it I was... It wasn't public then? Or, or no, it wasn't public. Oh. Until, well, when they, they announced it, they, okay. they told people, you know. Yeah, they, it, yeah. they, it, but, but it was, I was called in to do that. And, and, of course, that was another, again, another stumbling block. And, of course, I, I had looked at that, uh, and, and I had observed the, the council members and watched them and watched some of the tremendous stresses they'd been under. Because I, mm. I, I had been working uh, or helping Brother Bob Oldham as a secretary. I was just his reader. That's all I did. I, would, I was his reader. So I would read all the, the minutes and everything and the, and the announcements and all that kind of stuff. I'd do all the reading. And so I was up there watching the stress and the things and that was in their lives. And I just, it didn't look like a lot of fun to me. <laughs> and, and so uh, uh, I was worried about that. That was one of the things I was concerned about. I had been going with Don McIndoe for a couple of years, you know, I think it was uh, by that time down to Mexico. And I felt compelled. I felt compelled and I went and talked to him. I said, Don, I just feel like I should offer myself to, to, uh, to help, you know, in the work. And, and he asked me if I would be willing to, to do that. And I said, oh, most definitely I'd be willing mm-hmm. to do that. I feel compelled. I feel like I've been so blessed that I, I, I owe the Lord... Um, this witness, this uh, to try and and spread this gospel, and um, so he he invited me to come down there, and I'd been going for a couple of years, so we went down, and so the whole time when I was down there, cause we used to go down, we'd be down there for about two months on, on this trip, and about six months in in Mexico, mm-hmm. and uh, a week down and a week out, it would begin to be in two months, and we go back to conference. And so this whole time I was praying and praying and praying and what to do. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. And so, but I had a couple of experiences. And one of them was that uh, we were driving in the town of Tacul. And Brother Placido was with us. Brother Felipe was with us. His brother Sarah here was with us. And I think there was one other young man. And they decided they weren't going to drive in the truck because we were going to visit people in, mm-hmm. in the truck, driving through these streets. And so they decided, well, we're, we're going to walk. So they got out and they walked in front of the, uh, of the truck. And I just felt compelled to uh, get out of the truck. And I said, Don, I'm going I'm to go walk with them. And I just felt 
you know, these, I felt, these are my people. These are, are my brothers. And, and that experience on that day, you know, ever since that moment, I had these, you, you know, when you go into a new culture, something that, I, it was a real shock to me, but I've been going there for a couple of years, that I, at that moment, I began to feel like I'm part of this. And, and their culture, in many ways, became my culture and, and my thought process. And I always thought about them. I, I, I still do. I think about, you know, what would they think about what I'm saying? What would they think about what I'm doing, how I'm acting? And I just, I just began to have a more, a closer walk. And I got out. And little did I know, Don had had kind of an experience when I did that. And he saw me walking, and, and, and he said, you know, that the Spirit told him, here is the future of the work in these men. You mm. know, and basically, they, those, some of those men are, are, are definitely, in that generation, uh, are, are the ones who are the, the leaders at the moment. So anyway, so, but at another time, I, I was still praying about this, and we, and we did a lot of, do a lot of driving in Mexico, driving, driving. Yeah. And so we're driving one day, and I'm praying about this, and I'm praying about this. And all of a sudden, it was just like uh, I began to see these snapshots in, in my mind, you know, remembering all of my childhood. And I could see... And I knew in just a, a brief period of time, it was just this, he's filled, God filled my mind with things that had happened to me, my experiences. And uh, I don't need to go into it all, but that, that I knew he had been preparing me from the time that I was a, a kid. And, I, and, and so, uh, but based on that, then, then I went and I told, I, I, didn't, I didn't tell anybody really what I was going to do. And then we got up and they had that special meeting with the apostles and the elders. And I wanted, and, I, and I, what I really wanted to know, the last thing I wanted to know, can I take this pressure? Because it's big, it's incredible, and it's, it's difficult, and it's not always easy. But there are many great rewards, but sometimes it's not very easy. Can I take the bad moment? You know, it's really a question, you know, that a lot of us probably have. And so I listen, and like any Church of Christ debate over something, you've got all these views you know, and people, and and uh, there was one brother that was pressuring me. I want to know what you think. I want to know right now, <laughs> and I, you know, and, and and I was waiting, and I wanted to hear all of this friction, to see can I handle this, and that's because it's about me. Yeah, can I handle this? And then at the end, you know, I, I was able to tell him. You know, I I had to find out. And the truth is, yeah, this is my testimony. I know the Lord has been preparing me from, from the time that I was young. And, and uh, I mean, just, just, just to give one example, I remember as a little boy, I was just, a, you know, six years old maybe, and, and I was talking, and my mother was telling me all these stories about my uncle Leon Yates and, and, and some of his missionary stories. And I listened, and... You know, just like a little kid, I, but I said, and and just like this voice said, and someday, you know, you're you're gonna do that. Yeah, okay, fine. Went out and played, you know, threw rocks, whatever you do out on the other side of the hill, shoot my BB gun, something like mm -hmm. that. But I just, and I remembered that. I remembered all these little little things, and and uh, you know, living in a dry and a hot place, mm -hmm. 
it was all preparation because it's hot in Mexico. Mm -hmm. It's hot down there. Anyway, there's just all these, just hundreds of things that just fit in. And so I, I accepted it on that. I didn't even, you know, really share it with my wife or anything. And because and, I wanted, and this is, I'm going to have to stand on this and uh, whatever happens. And so anyway, that was my, my testimony. And uh, uh, I just knew that the Lord had been preparing me for it. That's, so that's my, my testimony about that calling. It's interesting, God let Chris know. God didn't leave your family to the side. He, oh. he, he let them have peace and comfort in this too. Yeah. And, and I think we see that theme for another, we've seen that example as well in other uh, uh, interviews. I like this, um, I asked you about your calling. And you started with, well, the, the first one was I didn't, you know, you know, we haven't we haven't not addressed that in in any of our other um, yeah. uh, podcasts. But uh, the the first calling you didn't accept, the second calling, technically is the one you accepted, but only after a third time someone told you accept yeah. this calling. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, w one of our brothers said he hid in the bathroom. You know, that's <laughs> one way of not accepting a calling. Yeah. Here's another thing. I, I also like corroborating evidence. If one calling is true. Could the other one be false? Does God work that way? Mm -hmm. Well, the, this brother, you know, he told me, you know, after I gave my testimony on that first calling, mm -hmm. you know, he came and he says, you know, he prayed about a lot of that. And he says, you know, the Lord told him that really he had a witness and he wasn't. And that's what we can jump the gun, you know. And, and there, are, there are a couple of callings that I have, I received information and witness about that I kept for years, you know. And, and when they were called, I was able to give a witness of it. And that I just, you know, I, you don't, the best thing to do is to wait, you know, and, and to make sure, because the guy who gives a calling has to know. He's got to be sure of it. Because there's nothing, you know, when you speak under the influence of the Spirit, what you put your neck on a chopping block and it uh, can be very difficult. And so you have to be sure. You have to be sure. When you wouldn't accept the calling to the apostleship until you know you could take the pressure. Yeah. Uh, that is, you've, you've, you've taken the pressure. I've seen the pressure you've been under. And, and I'm, I respect your sitting in that chair saying this was a qualification for me to see if I could measure up that I respect that, especially knowing now the pressure I've seen you under for what it's worth. I'm glad you did that. Yeah. Well, I don't think it was, I don't really think it was anything that I really did. I just think it was something that the Lord, I think he even put those thoughts in my mind, you know, really again, preparing to, you to right? question myself. Can I, mm -hmm. can I do really do it? You know, and, and, and he gave me the peace that I could. I'll, I'll, continue this line of thought when you are sitting there thinking man he is going to be a good minister someday mm. you know that that's not a witness mm -mm, not really. that's not <laughs> i can see what good god can do with that man he's he's ready that's not a witness yeah. you know the spirit of god is something different and i am always worried my emotions yeah will be I, it's hard i'm always trying to keep those in check and yeah, so. to be able to say, this person is called of God. I mean, you're speaking 
for the Lord, you know, and because something that he has put in your, put into you that's knowledge. It's, it's a very difficult thing, and uh, it's nothing to play with. It's, uh, it's very serious. It's nothing to play with. Yeah. Okay, let's lighten it up a little All bit. All right. Here's one of my favorite questions. How long, how much do you prepare for a typical sermon, and how many sermons have you preached? You know, there's almost, uh, uh, I, I, of course, I don't have any answer as to how many sermons I've preached because I've, I've been preaching for, for such a long time uh, that, uh, you know, like, there, a lot of times when I go to Mexico with Don, he did most of the preaching because they wanted to hear him because he was such a good teacher. Yes. Excellent teacher. I loved his teach even yeah. even his sermons that are recorded. I appreciate that the a style of and this is going off but I can relate to a thought out thesis and evidence and, and, and I love that style of presenting an argument and he is good at that. He's good at that. So, so in the absence of Brother Don McIndoo, you know, uh, when I would go down there, of course, then I end up wherever I went, I'd do everything, and mm -hmm. and so there'd be days you might do you might do three a, a couple of lessons and a, or a couple of sermons or three things, and you're you're taking charge of three services and and preparing for them, and then there'd be a week maybe you, every day you would do something, and and. Uh, or maybe if Don was there, maybe just three times a week I would do something. I have no idea. I don't have any idea. I've been going there for more than 30 years. I really don't know. But I do know this, that, you know, I, I don't, about my preparation, if I am not studying or looking or praying earnestly every day of my life, I'm never ready. Um, hmm. Now, you know, now, now as far as my, how long does it take me to prepare for a sermon? Sometimes it can, it can be in five minutes, and sometimes the Lord has given me concepts or something that he wants me that I, it's now my, my duty to investigate it scripturally and to find out what it all means and, and how it applies to us today and that sort of thing. And, you know, 12 months ahead of time. Hmm. And so I'll write I'll write a note or two and know, you know, someday I'm going to have to preach this. I don't know when or where. Yeah. And, and I'll write that down and try and keep it. And, and, and if it's, uh, uh, my experience is if it's from the Lord, he continues just to add things to this. And I come to a place and pray, you know, I really don't understand it. And there have been times when I didn't understand the full concept until I sat down up there waiting for them to announce, you know, the preacher, and he would give me one more scripture, hmm. and then I got it, I get it, no, now I understand. And because and and uh, and and there was one time in my life when I think you know I I was so used to preaching down in Mexico. Uh, I could have a few notes and four or five sermons and go in and preach these at different locals. And, and I went in and Ken and my brother-in-law, Ken Orr, was there. And I stood up and I started preaching this thing. And I, I would just glance at my notes. I knew where I was going. I had everything I got. And all of a sudden, my mind went totally blank. 
and I never forgot this, and, and it was almost like I'd had a stroke. I mean, I didn't because mm-hmm. I was fully conscious and aware. There was nothing that was wrong. And then I, and I said, well, I, I need to look at my notes. And I looked at my notes, and it was a whole other set of notes, but it didn't make sense with what I was doing, and, it, and I knew that I wasn't supposed to, to read those notes or to, ta- or to, or to, to, to refer to them. And, I, and I'm sitting there, or I'm standing there with the Lord, and, and, and I, I thought, I dropped them. I looked under the table. They were gone. There was nothing there. And, and then I, I, so I, I looked back at these notes, and I said, you know, this is another sermon that I preached earlier. I have another set of notes. So this is the oh, other yeah. set of notes. And, and I said, this is, I, I don't feel led to do this either. And so I just told the Lord, I said, I have no idea what you want me to do and just one little tiny idea came in my mind and I said it and all of a sudden two or three people want they wanted to contribute something about uh, witnesses about callings and stuff like that it was something completely different but it taught me a lesson and I think the main lesson was humility you know that I really was getting comfortable Oh, okay. I understand oh, yeah. the point of view. I can do this. This is so easy. And he showed me that uh, I'm, I'm nothing without him. I can't do anything without him. And I never forgot that it, 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 every time I stand to preach, I remember this, and I have a little bit of fear. Lord, if you do this, please be with me. If you're going to take it away from me, give me something, you know, and... But, but I'd always had these experiences where, you know, I'd get up and he would give me something, but not anything like that. And, and it was a fearful moment. And it taught me a great lesson in humility and not to, to think, I'm just going to go by script. I have to keep it open. What would you like me to say? Is there something else you want me to say? But if it's not on your PowerPoint, you can't... Uh, yeah. <laughs> so what are you well, gonna do? Yeah. Well, of course, I, then we didn't use PowerPoint, yeah, yeah. but it was just notes. But, but I, I wonder. Uh, we do. We yeah. do a lot now. It yeah. is all. Yeah. And and sometimes that's good because some you know an older guy like me, you know, you get you start forgetting a little bit, you know, and you and you, uh, and, and it helps. Yeah. But still, I preach the same PowerPoint, and it's never the same. Mm-hmm. You know, if I if because uh, I feel like the basic message is something that I I want everyone to know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's just an unusual thing that I can't really explain totally except I know it really humbled me and I'm still fearful. That's a great answer. It's not the one I was hoping for, but <laughs> we, we didn't get a for? number. We, I wanted a number. I like a number. Oh, I can't. I, I wouldn't even know okay. uh, how to calculate it. <laughs> now, even even Brian said, uh, th- and he threw something out there. Yeah. But, but, and he's kind of the same way. So it's been been a lot. But I won't, I won't make you give me a number. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, so, but along the next question uh-huh. is, uh, what do your scriptures look like? Well, of course, I'm my, looking at yeah, a you're looking at my, at my yeah, tablet. Yeah, I have this tablet here, and that basically that's what I use. And but there is really a one practical reason why it's small. <laughs> yeah, Ronnie and I had the carry, same thing. I'm not carrying books carry, up yeah, that mountain anymore. Yeah. yeah, it's too hard. And so, so what I've had, and, and there are other reasons too. See, so, you know, like I've got a, a larger set of books in English and a larger set in Spanish. 
a really small set in English and a really small set in <laughs> Spanish. So which one do I take? I go traveling somewhere. I always take the small stuff. But it, but what I learned was is that so what I have on on my phone and on this is I have notes from all kinds of compendiums about subjects and things, which uh, what I noticed was Don had his scripture stolen and Frank Fan they both had their scripture stolen. They had they had nothing. And I, I looked at that, and then I would change a Bible or a Book of Mormon, mm-hmm. and then everything that I had made notes on is all gone. And I thought, you know, I've got to do something else with this. And so I started making collections so where I can, at least online at the mm-hmm. moment, I can, as long as we have the Internet, I can still do this. I can grab my notes, and, of course, the, the, the tool of using the, the search for scriptures is mm-hmm. such, because, you know, if you can think of four or five scriptures i mean you can just find them in you know 60 seconds you can get you can get your all your scriptures that for a sermon if you need it and and it's just a it's a practical thing it's not uh i can live without it you know but it is it is easier it's easier i know it's very romantic to carry your scriptures around but Mm -hmm. they get wet these get wet too that's why you have a phone and a tablet okay (laughs) so anyways part of me i like the the romantic idea of the scriptures and having the books and the the notes and the margin everything but i'm also excited to be moving in the direction of digital it's easy to share as well it's easy to share my notes with anyone anywhere Yeah. yeah i can get you that answer really fast yeah that's true. part of it that I, I think it's we become miss a out on really too. good tool. Mm-hmm. It has. Okay, um, so no uh, no post-it notes or anything for Jay. It's all digital. Well, I still use them once in a while. I'll okay. have a notebook. Sometimes I can write faster than I can look stuff up. Yes. I can get three or four ideas down, yes. and then you know, and so I don't lose them because it's kind of rude if you're talking to somebody. If you're writing something down, it's not as rude. I don't know why, but if you pull out a cell phone. Well, this guy's totally disengaged yeah. with me, you know. Yeah. But I can write something, and uh, and that's one thing I try to consider because it's uh, it's still kind of a little offensive, you know. It's, I mean, I, I go into in, any adult, adults or kids, and sometime within their meeting, everyone has looked at their cell phone at least once or ten mm-hmm. times, and and it it's always something to consider that you know. Don't be disengaged with the people that are right in front of you. You know that's hard. Well, do. with this new Bible app, when you're up there preaching, you're going to see a lot of people on their phones yeah, now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I hope you do. I hope. Oh you yeah, do. yeah. It's good. So uh, those are my three standard questions. The last one, we're going to turn this over to you and ask you what your scriptures are that you brought for us. I, I say ten. Okay. Yeah, that that's a good idea because I I couldn't really get just ten thoughts because some of these are 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 scripturals that uh, i feel like are instruction for me personally okay mm-hmm. or for any minister um, and some of them are uh, concepts so so i'll just start my number one i have this what i i consider to be an instructional pastoral scripture and it's in acts fifteen thirty six, just that one verse and it was the Apostle Paul, and he says, And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. So he went on that first mission, you know, and he traveled around, and then he went back. And, and the second 
one, you know, it's a pastoral visit. You know, and, and this is a, a part of, of missionary work that, that we can't discount. It's not just bringing in new members. It's finding out how everyone's doing. What's going on? How, 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 how's the family? How's the church? How's the local? How's the, what's going on? It's an extremely, to me, uh, a part of it, it gets back to the redundant, you know, a, a pastor's work. You know, I really admire good pastors. I think their job, uh, having done it, you know, for a couple of years, I think it's the hardest job in the church because you're speaking with the same people every week and in places like uh, Mexico, uh, where these people, they preach, they'll preach three sermons a week to the same people. That's really difficult to try and expand and help them to grow because you're going to have to grow just as fast as they do with new concepts, new ideas, and, and different ways of expressing it. It's, anyway, this is, that's one of the things that tells me personally, as a minister, this is one of my jobs. I got to go find out how people are doing, and uh, it's it's one of the harder ones to do sometimes. So my second one. Hold on, hold on. Okay. When I, I'm I'm glad you bring this to my attention, our attention tonight, today. This is hard for me. This is very hard for me. When my mother goes to Phoenix, she's out of my mind, and I I let go. I just you're you're gone. I hope Trish takes good care of you. I'm not going to keep in touch very well with people who aren't around me, who aren't coming to my church, who are, who I don't see there, and I I. I'm bad at that. I'm other people are better at this than I am, and I to to me I almost feel validated in that. Well, they don't come to church. Yeah. I don't I don't see why I need to go get them. Yeah. I would much rather keep in touch with the guys I see who are in the trenches with me. Yeah. And I I'm not I'm not good at this pastorship. Yeah. And it, it's it, it's a lot. Of course, there's a lot more to that. You know, the idea that we we have with the body of Christ, and of course the. Uh, Paul, he explains that, you know, that in the body of Christ, the least comely members of the body are the ones that are most cared for, often. Hmm. And it's just, uh, uh, you know, you're not the, the head, you know, the, the things, you know, your feet, you have to really take care of your feet or you can't do anything. And, and, it, and, and they're there for, actually for you to perfect your Christianity. I really think that they're, they're, they, they're part sometimes God gives people weakness so that we have to care. We have to do what God did and, or what the Lord uh, Jesus did, give, give ourselves to these people, to unworthy creatures, you know, and, and, and not that I, I don't want to, like I'm looking at people like they're unworthy, but I feel like we all are, you know, we're all unworthy. We have to do what the Lord has told us to do. So anyway, okay. ready for number two? Yep. Okay, so I got, there's another pastoral instruction. And in Psalms uh, 78, 38, and 39, and it says, uh, But he, being full of compassion, talking about God, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned he his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. For he remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. I think sometimes we... we uh, you, we can expect more of people than they're actually capable of doing. And like you come into a church and some people want the body. If this is a God's church, everyone's got to be just perfect and everything's going to be fine. But that's not really 
what it's all about. You know, the Lord looked at his people, and like in this particular thing, and he recognized that they have a limitation. They have limitations, and, and their flesh, and their, their, uh, their lusts, and their problems, and their pains, their physical pains, and spiritual pains, and emotional problems. They have a tendency, that they're what we fight against. And we have to realize that everybody uh, has that same problem. And give them a, a moment, you know, to give them, a, give them the time to grow. And anyway, to me, it's very important for me to, to, uh, to realize this. And, of course, it gives me hope for myself yes. as well, see, yes. which I think is, is very important. Okay, so now I've got these uh, couple of, of scriptures that I call uh, fear scriptures because okay. uh, some people, it, it's not a comforting thing, but it's very instructional. And so for, so for this one, Ezekiel 34 and 2, and of course, it really is a whole thing about the, the pastors and about the shepherds. But this one verse, it says, Son of man, in verse 2 uh, from chapter 34, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that, that do feed themselves, and should not the shepherds feed the flocks. Hmm. Of course, there was a whole bunch more to this, and he was condemning them because, you know, he was letting the shepherds of Israel let the sheep die, and they fed on them, they lived on them. And I think, you know, when I look into the world and hopefully I'm not looking at the church, uh, uh, but when I look into the world, I think there are Christian pastors here and there. They feed on the sheep. They yes. live off of the sheep as opposed to feeding the sheep. And, and it's just, uh, it, it's a, when I read that, it, it gives a fear to me that I'm going to be judged, you know. Uh, and and th there's a lot more things. You know, the shepherds have to give a, an alarm, and if they don't, their blood is on my on on me, mm -hmm. so that's one of them. Now another one, kind of like a fear scripture. I want to read is in in uh, that lets me know I'm never done working. And, and in Jacob chapter three verse one twenty six to one thirty five in the Book of Mormon. So Jacob three one twenty six. So you've got it in front of you on your on your tablet. And I I'm, know. I'm flipping. I know. <laughs> See, that's all right. That's good. You. Uh, you old guys just can't change, can you? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so it says here, uh, 126, Wherefore, let us go to and labor with our mights this last time, for behold, the end draweth nigh. And this is for the last time that I shall prune my vineyard. And if it so be that these last grafts shall grow and bring forth the natural fruit, then shall ye, ye prepare the way for them that they may grow. And as they begin to grow, you shall clear away the branches which bring forth bitter fruit, according to the strength and the good and the size thereof. And you shall not clear away the bad thereof all at once, lest the roots thereof should be too strong for the graft, and the graft thereof shall perish, and I lose the trees of my vineyard. For it grieveth me that I should lose the trees of my vineyard. Wherefore, you shall clear away the bad according as the good shall grow, that the root and the top may be equal in, in strength, until the good shall overcome the bad, and the bad be hewn down and cast into the fire, that they cumber not the ground of my vineyard. And thus will I sweep away the bad out of my vineyard, and the branches of the natural tree will I graft in again, 
into the natural tree, and the branches of the natural tree will I graft into the natural branches of the tree, and thus will I bring them again together again, that they may bring forth the natural fruit, and they shall be one. And the bad shall be cast away, yea, even out of all the land of my vineyard. For behold, only this once will I prune my vineyard. Of course, I think when it, this is a prophecy, I think it's, it's from our day into the millennium. But what this really reminds me of is that when we're dealing with the church, we're dealing with a living organism. We're dealing with a living thing. And... And it's a shame that, that uh, more people don't get into a little bit of horticulture and trying to raise things. It's really hard. It's very difficult. So, you know, my, we had a nice orange tree that was producing a lot of good navel oranges in my backyard. And so my wife puts fertilizer on it a little too late and a little too much. And we got no fruit. And it's just, it's timing the right amount of water, the right amount of fertilizer. You can't give everything. I mean, it's just we're, when we're dealing with each other, we're dealing with this, these living spiritual beings that, that, and the church that grows and has problems. And, and uh, it, it's very, it, it makes me fearful and, and hopeful and more patient as well because it is very hard to be patient. This idea... I never thought of it this way um, is when the pruning happens I, I as a minister your job maybe not be to prune it but to keep nourishing it nourishing and who's gonna do the pruning yeah it's is it good, uh, right so you, it's, you leave that to God to do that yeah so yeah so um, and really I think that's maybe he was telling the servant of the vineyard which I think the servant of the vineyard is the is Jesus okay yeah the, the master mean, and yeah, the, yeah yeah and that's and so but but where to help him so mm -hmm. so anyway that's uh that's my number four now my now my number five is another one uh, in in the in Mormon chapter four, really most of that chapter, you know, it's about uh, it's about the scriptures, it's about the time of Mormon, the time of Moroni, which was an extremely difficult time, mm -hmm. and it's about our day because he he talks about prophecy, and and the whole thing, you know, if I take the whole thing in in context, it 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 puts a fear into me that. I'll do it right and be a good servant and and uh, not be dilatory and not be thinking about myself, even getting back to this idea about the, the shepherds feeding themselves and mm. that sort of thing, that I need to be very careful about that. It's not about me. You know, it's uh, it's not about the, the message. is not about the messenger. It is about the message. And, and so anyway, but I'd just like to read in, in verse uh, 66 through 69. It's just a, a, a portion of this thing. And it says in a, verse 66 of Mormon chapter 4. And again, I speak unto you who deny the revelations of God and say that they are done away that they are no more revelations, nor prophecies, nor gifts, nor healing, nor speaking with tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. Behold, I say unto you, that he that denieth these things knoweth not the gospel of Christ. Yea, he has not read the scriptures. If so, he does not understand them. 
For do we not read that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and in him there is no variableness, neither shadow of changing? And now if ye have imagined up unto yourselves a God which doth vary, and in him there is a shadow of changing, then ye have imagined up unto yourselves a God which uh, is not a God of miracles. And so, you know, there's we there's something about, the, about uh, always keeping in mind that God does not change. That I have to rep. I'm not. I can't represent anything new. I mean, it's not that we don't figure out new ways of talking to a new generation and everything. Mm -hmm. But it's always the same old message, and so it 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 connects us with all the generations in the past, which is so important. You know that we have this history that goes back, not only in the modern day. Back from from the restoration, but it goes back to the, to the Garden of Eden that that God does something for His people, and somehow you know He sent servants uh, in their own language and their own time uh, that were made for the day. And I think we have to consider God made us for this day, and to do the same thing, but. To speak, you know, I mean, if he if he, if he gave it to uh, every nation and calls people of their nation to do this, he also would do it for their time period, you know, to deal with our our uh, uh, silliness of our modern day and our our pleasure seeking. There's got to be people that know what that's all about that can teach their people. You need to be careful about the, you know you need to preach repentance. And so. It, it, it's uh, not just satisfying their needs, but satisfying really their, their soul in need, what they need for the, for the future and for eternal life. And, and uh, it's really the same thing, though. It's just that you, you may use different words, you may have a little bit different problems, but in some ways, there are still the same problems, maybe approached in a different way. Now it's so easy. Now we're doing it electronically. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, a uh, hundred years ago, no one could even imagine such a thing. But but uh, we understand it and, and uh, much more. But still, how do you get that this generation to follow God, to believe that he's the same if you're... Uh, if we lose all this, he's still the same. And and anyway, it's just uh, it just makes me fearful that I'm doing the right, doing it the right way, and and that I'm representing this God that never changes. There's an idea out there that it's harder now. We have it harder. Temptation is so easy. It's easier to get into trouble, quicker to get into trouble. We have it harder now than they had it than it's ever been. Well, it, it, God may, has not yeah. changed, but man's plight has. Man's plight, it's, it's changed. You're probably right. It's probably easier to sin, and no one takes account. But then at the same time, there were possibly probably equivalent pressures. You know, culture just 50 years ago, or culture in another, another nation, is a tremendous power. So it's a different type of pressure where you have pressure of temptation and everything's available and maybe no one will ever know, which is what people they send on, online mm -hmm. now and thinking no one's ever going to find out. And then lo and behold, the whole world finds out about someday. But, you know, I, I think 
it may be this different but the same in some ways. Okay. That I and I'm always thinking as an American, the the culture of other countries, they are under pressures we couldn't relate to either with yeah. you don't understand there's Muslims yeah. everywhere I go. And you're telling me I have to be the light of Christ if it's a different, it's a different way, way of living. And you do it quietly, and uh -huh. you do it on the street corners, and not necessarily shouting from the rooftops. Oh, um, that that it, seems... it's a different. Yeah, there's different pressures. How does the Lord want me to deal with this? And he, and He'll still probably use He'll probably give you scriptures that were mm. written, you know, hundreds, thousands That's the of key, years isn't ago. It? He didn't change. Yeah, He doesn't yeah. change. And, 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 and something in it though. It applies to mm -hmm. this. I like the idea that the God will bring up uh, a gener. How do you say it? That there, the, it will find a way in this generation of my people to say the old story yeah. that applies to you. Exactly. I think that's comforting, yeah. I, and I don't take. I, I don't. I didn't consider that. Yeah. Yeah, you have to consider that. You know, you're you're called to to this work by the Lord in this day. Mm-hmm. And and uh, he knows what he's doing, and and you know how they feel. Well, I'll take so this how, day how over over yeah. uh, the the 1200s. You know, oh, wow. you, you know, yeah. I'll I'll take oh, it. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So yeah, there's light, more light now. All right. So next one, I have two categories you know, for number six and seven that I where I I personally find guidance, and so I I'm not gonna I can't read anything. But what I can tell you is I've always felt like what's interesting about the Book of Mormon is, you know, you go to 1st Nephi uh, and 2nd Nephi and Jacob, and then they have all those, those minor prophets mm -hmm. and things. And then it jumps hundreds of years. And, it, and when it does, it starts off with, with Mosiah. And you have mm -hmm. Mosiah, Alma, Helaman, and then the first few chapters of 4th, of 3rd Nephi. And it's those things were all, and, and they mentioned how it was, they were beginning to prepare for the coming of Christ. And I don't think it, I think it's something we need to apply to ourselves as well, that we have this, these books, and, and, this, and these particular books, as I look through it, I'm looking for similarities and parallels to the second coming of Christ, how the problems which they had, the, the the you know they, they dealt with priestcraft they dealt with with heresy they dealt with war they dealt with everything that and famines and and problems and squabbles and and everything and so how did they do it why did they do it what was the basis and so when you read something in, that was in their culture that was simple to them you know we really have to how does that fit now but i when I, for me for my guidance of my ministry i'm looking to those things to help people prepare for the second coming and so i use those i there and and of course you can look at at, uh, at the and, and the next group really is just is to how to deal with individuals when i want to know how to deal with individuals in my number seven books of guidance i really look to the words in red and to find out how god how jesus spoke with these various individuals and to, to looking for something that I can apply to someone's deepest 
problem today on that individual basis. So, so preparing the church for the Christ in this first, in, in number six and number seven, how do I deal with these individuals? I okay. really think the Lord had, had a lot of those uh, uh, answers. So to be clear, I asked you for 10 scriptures and you just gave me <laughs> as one of your scriptures, yeah. everything that's in red. Yeah. <laughs> and for another one of your scriptures, everything that's post book of Mosiah. Yeah, well, uh, but but that's, with a certain, a, <laughs> with a certain okay. goal, preparing okay. for the coming of Christ, and dealing with individual problems, because you know I can't really because that that's my life. See, I'm trying to. I, yeah, that's I get my it. life. I mean, it, it, if if a uh, uh, if it's a mother that that's she's got special problems with her family, and there might be special scriptures that she would look to. But for me, when I'm dealing with with mothers mm-hmm. and children and pastors, and individuals have problems, or substance abuse, or you name it. Mm-hmm. How do I do that? So I try and find, with those individuals, something that Jesus said for the first scripture at least. What mm-hmm. did Jesus say? What direction was he pointing? And then, of course, you can add all the other scriptures. But I really love that idea of using something that he said as the real rock bottom point yeah. to start. And so much of that was to a person, to yeah. A, yeah. a situation. A situation, yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's just it's just my, what I do, you know, and that's, uh, so, but that's, you know, quickly okay. was, <laughs> that was... That is cheating, but... Yeah, it's kind of cheating, <laughs> but, but it's my thought process. But I, I get it, yeah. Yeah. So now, number eight, you know, I've got these things about reality, so... So if I, number eight, I, I'm going to just read uh, uh, three verses. And one, one of them is, is John 15, 18. And John 15, 18, uh, Jesus just said this. He says, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. And, and the reality is, you know, we're not going to be loved by everybody. And the reality is we, we may truly have a lot of the answers to, to the needs of the world and the spiritual needs of people, but it doesn't mean it's going to be well received. And, and I, I just always keep that in mind. And so, but along with that idea in Alma 15, uh, 53 and 54, this, uh, this scripture uh, where... I have to realize, you know, and I'm I'm realizing my, my limitations that that the Lord Himself couldn't couldn't do things. But here in this one, in Alma fifteen fifty three and fifty four, He says, uh, "Sorry, I'm still turning." That's all right. Got it. Okay, so He says uh, fifty three. Yea, I would declare unto every soul, as with the voice of thunder, repentance and the plan of redemption that they should repent and come unto our God, that there might be no more sorrow upon all the face of the earth. But behold, I'm a man, and do sin in my wish, for I ought to be content with the things which the Lord hath allotted unto me. I've seen ministry, and in, in, in I have to, that I think we're very discouraged because when they preach sermons, well-thought-out lessons, the world didn't change. Mm-hmm. The church didn't change. Nobody got rid of their TVs next week. Nobody got rid of their yeah. TVs next week. 
when there's some really some important concepts that have to be changing the soul, it takes a lot of time. Now, I recognize that when the Lord speaks to people, you know, three words from him can make yeah. the difference. But, and, and the Lord can use you to do that, but we're still, we're in this for the long haul. And, and that's what we have to look at. I, we're in this for, and, and we have limitations. We're just, we're just humans. And, and we're not better than Christ. We're, we can't do more than he did, uh, even though he will bless us. And he told his disciples, you know, you're going to convert more. Basically, you're going to convert more people than I did. But he had a certain thing. Of course, he had a mm-hmm. warfare that he was engaged in, defeating, defeating sin and defeating death, which he won as far as I'm concerned. So anyway, it's just realizing my, the reality is I can just do so much, and I can't expect, and I should be content and shouldn't be discouraged if, if everything doesn't get fixed, you know. Or like if you go to a conference and everything isn't fixed and they're talking about the same old things. Well, of course they are. Every generation has got to make up their mind about the same old things. Hmm. So, you know. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. Uh, so. I'm going to come back to this later, maybe. All right. Go ahead. So, number nine, this uh, another enduring reality, uh, Ephesians 6.12 and uh, 6.16 these things that I, I try to keep in my own mind all the time. And it says, For we wrestle not against flesh mm-hmm. and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And I think, you know, most of us can see that. But sometimes we always, I, I think, our one of our greatest temptations in the church or anywhere else is to be looking at the problem as though it's this person next to me and it's much bigger than that and uh and so so it's it's much bigger than that so uh it says here in verse uh, 16 above all taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and it's 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 related to this this uh verse 12 only because uh These temptations to blame people and to be mad at people, this is, this is a fiery dart. It's a temptation. And the devil, that's exactly what he wants to do. I mean, when the first murder occurred in, in, uh, after they were expelled from the garden, or actually it was the second murder. The first murder was Satan. He killed them with a lie. Okay. He, killed, okay. he killed Adam and Eve with a lie. But the second murder was, was uh, of course, uh, Cain and Abel. And, but why did he take out his frustrations on his brother it's just what we do you know and it's uh and it's not that easy um tell me and i just re- remember that that i'm again i'm just human and i have james four fourteen down here on this same concept whereas we know ye know not what shall be on the morrow for what is your life it is even a vapor that appeareth for a little while and then vanisheth away and so i can't think too much of myself you know, when I'm dealing with these problems, uh, that my problems are so important because when I'm gone, someone else is going to come along. They got to wrestle with the same thing, and someone's going to have to help them get through it. And uh, it's just, you know, these realities that that yeah, everything changes all the time, but in some senses, it doesn't change at all. We got to quit wielding our sword of truth, and instead, each of us put up our shield of faith. Yeah. 
or well, you got you got to use them both. But that you. But we're too quick your... to grab the sword and yeah. and attacking people with yeah. truth, and 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 yeah. it, it, both of you can exist if you both rely on your your faith and and pray for that other person rather than try to beat that other person with your sword. You know, I, I just think exactly. we miss that a yeah, little bit. Yeah. I think that's, and, and of course to me, that's always been, you know, I, I'm, I'm subject to all these kind of things too. And they, and that's always a problem. I've got to, you know, uh, I've got to make a conscious effort and a conscious plan to resist this because I know people are not going to necessarily agree with me. So, okay, I'm prepared. I'll, I'll say and, 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 and try and contribute what I think is, is good and, and listen to someone else and, and see if, if something they say can actually expand my mind and my thought, my consideration of others and, and enlighten me as to something I haven't thought of, you know, with some, the, somebody else's. Anyway, those are the kind of things. So the last one is uh, a short one. And I just had a question, you know, what is religion or faith all about? And then I have this scripture. It's a very odd scripture. But it's in Jeremiah 38, 6. And uh, this is when they, they uh, arrested Jeremiah. And I think it was the second time that they arrested him uh, and put him in prison. But this is what it says uh, in this verse, Jeremiah 38 and 6. It says, Then took they Jeremiah and cast him into the dungeon of Malchia, the son of Hamelech, uh, that was in the court of the prison. And they let down Jeremiah with cords, and in the dungeon there was no water but mire, so Jeremiah sunk in the mire. And so I don't really have a, a complete vision of what that looked like, but I can, I can sort of imagine. So I'm, I'm imagining that there's human waste, there's uh, who knows what, else was down there in that area and he sinks in the mire and so he's a prophet of God he's someone that has been doing God's work and so he gets let down here he's all by himself no food no water no prophesying no nothing and the question is what is religion all about in the end it's about God and you and so when you're in that particular situation, it's about you and God. There's no one else. And there are moments like this in, in everyone's life when, you know, it could be a death's door. It could be a terrible illness. It could be the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, some terrible thing that you've done that you, you need to repent of. But it, it's just you and God. What are you going to do? And at this moment, of course, that he remained true to God, who is, who, is, who is true and who would be there. And, of course, the Lord took him out of there. But at that moment, you know, what was it all about? You know, it's not about uh, happiness or pleasure mm. or having a wonderful life. It's just about what are you going to believe and do with God? Anyway, that's my last one. Your... A couple of times, and and when I hear you preach, a lot of times this theme comes up, and and you can correct me if you if you don't think so, but I I see a lot of military uh, themes, a lot of uh, maybe Spartan, mm. um, yeah, that's true, uh, uh, qualities, 
and and some of these in these last few it's it's just you and god and and the one in in, in john uh what did you just say um the idea that you have to do it the world hates you and you and it seems to me that you are prepared for the worst that could happen and you're ready you're ready for it. You 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 are you have prepared you or God has prepared you for the worst that possible scenario. And I don't know if I can't I don't know if I'm prepared, but at least I expect it. Expe- okay, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yes. expect you are you are expecting like the expecting worst something possible difficult, scenario. Yeah. And, and I just it's sometimes I listen I listen to you and I think, boy, if something bad's gonna happen, it's gonna happen to Jay. <laughs> I just I just it's it's almost like, man, that oh, I don't want to think like that. But you have been uh but it makes me preparing. happy. I don't get it. it gives Jay. me peace. I don't get it. I don't want that kind of well, process to happen to me. But see, that's the point. It's it's God that I feel, you know, instead of feeling uh, what I loved before when I was still eating ice cream. I loved ice cream. <laughs> my my favorite food on earth was ice cream, and but uh, I don't. I can't have it very much now because my my uh, blood sugar and that sort of thing, but. I'm still happy. I still have God. I have this peace. This peace and I feel his love and I and and all I can say is I feel him with me. Mm-hmm. And that sustains me. Now it's not that, you know, if I'm in a difficult situation, the first chance I get to get out of it, I'm going to get out of it, you yeah. know, and and go find a nice chair to sit in, you know, or something. But it's uh it's in other words, I I don't feel like I'm going to be fulfilled by, by I mean I had a I had a pretty good career I could have had a lot better career I could have had a lot of things that would have been made me fulfilled by the world's definition you know mm-hmm. a successful career which I think that's one of the things that people really want but I don't think it really is fulfilling because it's mm-hmm. going to be over you're going to get old what is it, the thing that really in the end that's going to fulfill us are those those moments of aloneness with you and the Lord. And like I remember a brother, Vicente Poet is his name, uh, and he's, uh, he's passed away. He, was a, a, he wrote songs, he wrote very beautiful music, never took a music lesson in his life. He was just one of these rare people, he had perfect pitch. Mm-hmm. He could tune any guitar, but he did that. But in his hardest moments in his life, when he felt alone, whether because of something in the family, something in the church, something financial, yeah. something physical, some health, it's when God gave him these beautiful songs, and it's a uh, it, it beautiful music that he could he could sing and he would sing to God, and he would praise God and he would he would talk about in in his songs the, the difficulties and yet I'm victorious, and. God put that in his soul. He filled it from the inside, and it wasn't so much. And I think that's one of our goals, and it doesn't mean that we're all going to overcome it the same way, because I know some people, that's one of their burdens. They have to, they have to bear some difficult times, and, and others bear it easier. And I don't know the reasons, God's reasons for all this, and why do some people do have more problems than others? There's mm-hmm. no question in my mind. And it's not fair. The only thing that makes it fair is the glory and the power of God. You all can have it. And, and this other becomes as nothing. That's, 
the whole point, I guess, you know. Everything else is nothing. God is everything and forever. And, and when we're, you know, we'll, we'll forget the horrible moment when we lost the most treasured person in our life when we are in his presence and his glory. I don't think we're going to just lose the memory. I think we'll remember these mm-hmm. things because that's who we were. And, and we're going to be judged by who we were, what we did. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And but, so, but the glory of God overshadows all things. Because he'll take away all crying, all, all tears, yeah. all, all that's going to be gone exactly. and, and enveloped exactly. in him. Yeah, exactly. It kind of, it shakes me up when I think Yeah, oh, I yeah, don't understand how it could happen. No. But yeah, and him. that's, we don't really. But unless you, as time goes on and you have these difficult moments when you let the Lord work in you and he does touch us, you just get little glimpses of it, little touch of peace. And what's it going to be like, you know, when it's, you know, I mean, uh, David Larson, who just passed away, you know, he had, he began having these dreams. I mean, he had lost an arm. He lost his uh, kidneys. He lost uh, his pancreas, all this stuff that was life-threatening to him. And, and he was in pain all the time. But he began having these dreams when he was just before he passed away. And he was walking in a beautiful place, had all his digits felt good he was happy and he woke him and he would tell his wife you know i've been having dreams and it was shortly after that that he passed away i mean rest restored you know that yeah. i'm uh, thankful for that assurance you know yeah, when yeah. we get those that understanding yeah the only other thing i might say is is you know in the world we live in today uh people are throwing away what is old and and I, in politics, and so you know, tearing down statues of Abraham Lincoln or whoever, and and it's not that that's really that important because it's just rock and cement or whatever, it, but it's the, the idea of throwing away everything that was when we go back and God is the same forever. That one of the Ten Commandments says, you know, that you honor your your mother and your father, that your days may be long upon the earth. We just can't throw away everything. We have to, you know, that there's an honoring of what was before us, yeah. taking yeah. what is good, and and using it and building on it, and the honoring of 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 the scriptures that are old, that they're from, and really our spiritual forefathers. These ideas and. And if we throw it all away, your days will be short. And, that, and I'm, I think that means society's days. Uh-huh. The people who do this, their days are short. But we have to hold on to what is good from the past, and especially in God's Word and our Father in Heaven, you know, and, and uh, knowing that he, he is good. But if you throw it all away and start over, uh, which is what people are talking about doing, and they may do it. But we've got to hang on to the old path. Well, it's like what you said earlier. Just every generation has to revisit these same issues. Same you issues. know, um, if we can learn from the generation before us just a little bit, a little bit and yeah. and we can over Improve. we can get over this hurdle faster. Yeah. And and the historically as a nation in America, we've we can't get rid of our history. We can learn from it and faster if we understand. It in, in its entirety, how far we've come, I guess. But mm-hmm. 
but I don't, I don't like that idea of, it's like what you said that that past that, that those forefathers, they learned a hard lesson and we can't throw that away. No. We can't. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's a good wisdom thing to do with the Lord and, uh, keeping him in mind and everything that was past that sometimes they had reasons for for doing things and and i always like the historical perspective that you have to judge people in their own setting okay what were they because i mean the people that abolished slavery they fought a hard hard battle and they didn't get it completely perfect because the battle wasn't completely over and that's really but they did do a a good thing in our and, church history yeah we were so far backwards <laughs> by the time uh, uh, and our return out, not just to independence. And, uh, this is in my mind because I've been studying this. There was a lot of returning that took place yeah. in stages yeah. in stages. It didn't happen all at once. And, you know, judge them in their time period. And what they were fighting against. What, and, yeah. and you look at, hey, I don't like how they did this. But when you consider what they were in the middle of, the mire like yeah. we were talking about, that was a great step forward. Yeah. Yeah. And God was working with them and they didn't prune them all at once. Yeah. He let them be, you know, uh, the church exists in this state until they could go up to the next state and then the next step and then the next step. Yeah. And boy, just a lot of lessons for our own. Uh, I guess that's the, the, the synopsis is, you know, God's working with us throughout our whole lives. Yeah, exactly. And you can't... Uh, you got to let them keep working. Yeah. Well, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, thank you for being part yeah, of what uh, do you know? Even I'm even though I'm back here, you know, where it's uh there's still no temperature outside. I think it's only like 27 degrees or 30 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> got to get higher before there's any temperature. <laughs> but I enjoy being back here. I I consider uh Missouri and Independence kind of like a second home to me. I I feel very comfortable here even with the weather. <laughs> Can't do anything about it. Can't do anything about it. <laughs> Thank All you, right. Jay. You bet. For my yoke is easy.